That's Old Testament right after Second Chronicles. Ezra chapter 7. Uh, we're going to move around quite a bit in, in Scripture this morning. This is going to be kind of uh, the core passage for us this morning. Uh, Ezra chapter 7, uh, verse 10. Give you just a moment to get there. When was the last time you were in the book of Ezra? Huh? Probably been a little bit, right? Ezra chapter 7, verse 10 says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel the statutes and judgments. The title of the message is, How Do You Get Ready for Church? Or, How Do You Get Ready for Church? Uh, that's what we're going to look at this morning. You know, there were uh, two snails who were standing on the side of the road. One, uh, one turtle stopped and asked if, uh, hey, you, know, you guys want to ride? And uh, one of the snails took him up on the offer, and, well, off he went. Well, as that turtle reached the intersection, another turtle came along and uh, crashed into him. The poor little snail was thrown and killed. The policeman investigating the accident began asking uh, the dead snail's buddy some questions, you know, like, well, what happened? The little snail replied, you know, I, uh, I don't know. It, it just all happened so fast, right? Okay, we'll just let that sink in for just a minute, okay? Now, are, are your Sunday mornings like that? You come to church a wreck and you don't know how it happened because everything just happened so fast. What do you do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday to get ready for this, right, this Sunday morning? Um, I, I, I almost want you to raise your hands when I ask you this. Who had a fight this morning on the way to church? Now, don't, don't raise your hand, but I, I, I almost want you to, Okay. Uh, either at home or on the way to church, either with the kids or the spouse or both, you know, it's, 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 you know just be honest with yourself. Don't, don't confess your sin to all of us right, right just yet. You ever drive up to the church parking lot and have to grab your, your church smile out of the glove box and just kind of stick it on your face and, uh, you know, you walk up to the door like everything's fine? You ever sit in church wondering what in the blazes you're doing here? with this attitude from health, feeling like you've just battled Satan, who happens to be wearing the wedding ring you gave them. You know, uh, the, these are real things, okay? This actually happens to people. You ever wonder how you can possibly worship meaningfully and how you can be open to what God has to say to you because your heart is so distant you feel like more like, like, like he should strike you dead than teach you anything. I mean, not that you'd get much out of it anyways, because, you know, you haven't cracked your Bible all week. You know, I used to think uh, the typical Sunday commotion in our house was due to the fact that, you know, we were in the pastorate, and, and there was some demonic-like force intruding itself into our family, trying to keep us from getting our Sunday mornings right, and and sometimes that is a possibility. I used to think it was all my problem. You know, I was, a, I was a nice dad, I was a good husband, I was just a bad manager. And my lack of discipline in running the household well showed most on Sunday mornings. But when you start to talk to other families, you quickly come to the conclusion that for the majority of us, Sunday mornings are often the worst morning 
of the week. Not only do pastors, song leaders, Sunday school teachers, junior church workers, and their families face this kind of Sunday morning hassle, most, it seems, observant Christians struggle week after week to participate in meaningful worship. The fact that Sunday is less than meaningful for us is not always the fault of the pastor or the song leader or the Sunday school teacher or the junior church workers, not the preaching, not the music. If we're truthful, we'll discover that Sunday mornings can be less than relevant because we have not prepared our hearts to participate in what goes on on Sunday mornings. Preparation is the key if we're going to be ready to hear from God. We need to establish an intentional goal. Sunday should become the best day, the best morning of the week, the high point of of, of family life. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 14, it says this, you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter. There's an intentionality about that. We need to teach ourselves that our children uh, need to, to, to and, and we have to teach them to do this, to anticipate Sunday with, with an eagerness. Okay? We need to teach them to look forward to it. And the first thing we need to learn to do is get ready. Get ready to be here. Get ready to come here. So years ago, I began to ask myself this. What must we do in order to be ready for this? What do we have to do to be ready for Sunday morning, to to hear from the Lord, to meet with the Lord on Sunday morning? And how could we worship the Lord if we are managing emotions from a fresh argument? If we've watched some late-night television show or some godless movie on Saturday and we're tired in the morning, we're fighting the distractions of those images flitting in our minds. If no clothes were readied, if we woke up late because we hadn't learned that alarm clocks work just as well on Sunday mornings as they do Monday through Saturday, you need to be intentional. And you need to intentionally remove the distractions that would interfere with your minds being rested and free for worship. That might mean some radical changes need to take place. Our teens need to frame their social lives for Friday nights rather than Saturday nights, or at least return home early on Saturday evening. We need to begin to to wind down the work of the week, the household chores, the take-home projects, the school assignments by Saturday afternoon. We have to attempt, at least, to get the week's work accomplished in the week and reserve the weekends, particularly Sundays, for giving our best to the Lord, for giving our best time to the Lord, our best energy to the Lord, and the honor that he is due. It might take some time to remember, as it says in Exodus 20, verse 3, to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We have to learn to exercise a constant diligence to keep this holy weekly observance from slipping into patterns of neglect 
or, or, or just meaningful ritual where you just show up and you listen and you sing and you go home and nothing really changes. Uh, not just mere church attendance, but, but, but there has to be a spiritual passion about this. Ezra prepared his heart ahead of time. You might find it helpful to begin thinking about Sunday uh, kind of in the old Jewish pattern where you know, for them the Sabbath began on, on, on Friday evening and everything was to be readied for the Sabbath by sundown the night before that Friday. Now, if we adopt that ancient tradition, and we just mean tradition, okay, we're not you know, converting to Judaism here, but if we, we adopt the tradition, everything for Sunday would be readied by Saturday. Now that might mean a drastic lifestyle change. We definitely need to capture the principle. Most of us rush into Sunday morning, and if we're honest with ourselves, we are ill-prepared. We need to back up our preparation process. We need to vow to be ready for church by sundown Saturday evening, at least. To be ready by Saturday evening will probably mean thinking about Sunday on Monday, which is tomorrow. And then you think about it on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And, and, and you work towards that, planning to do the work that needs to be done in the week so that most of the weekend, can be wholeheartedly given to God. Now, for most of us, over-busy, over-scheduled moderns, that's going to be, I mean, life is going to seem like it's been turned upside down if we, if we do that. Let me give you some, some examples. I try hard to have my sermon ready by at least Thursday. If my sermon's not ready by Friday, I am panicking. I mean, I'm coming unglued, bouncing off the walls. The cooking we do for Sunday morning, we do Saturday morning so that nothing is left late to prepare for. We get here about 9 o'clock so that we're not rushed setting up. And I tell you what, Mike, you and your boys, you and your kids, uh, girls, Katrina, um, Jasmine, there she is right there. Yeah. Uh, it is such a blessing uh, to have them have set up already uh, this morning, we walked in 9 o'clock. It was already set up. I didn't have to worry about that. It, 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 it's, it's, it's so necessary that you purposely plan to be ready for this time or you're going to walk out of here thinking, well, God didn't do anything for me today. What did you do to get ready to hear from God the rest of the week? Radical shifts in living may be necessary to achieve, to, 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 to achieve these goals to get, uh, I mean, you may have to practice them for weeks, maybe even months. You know, we lose weight by, by diet and exercise. And if you just diet, that's not going to be enough. You have to diet and exercise. You have to do it right. You have to eat right. You set your goals. And then after months have passed, you're still healthy and you've lost the weight. Things like this take time. You know, finishing an advanced degree in education often will take years to do it right and careful and good. And the same holds true when you have to so radically change your life to be ready to make Sunday sacred again. It may take you some time, but you, know, you can get started this afternoon. I mean, how good would it be if on Saturdays I've learned to be still enough 
to extend a deeply felt welcome to my Lord, the Lord of the Sabbath. It may take time, it may take a while to learn this, this lifestyle change, but, 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 but more and more, we need to be ready to do this. I mean, imagine that, that you go to bed Saturday, not too late on Saturday, and nothing's occupying your mind but what God is going to do in you this morning, and that holy hush descends, and the restless universe around you quiets, and silence comes, and it greets you, and your mind stills, it slows down, it rests, and you walk through that door, and you are ready to hear from God. You are ready to sing praises to him. Your heart is clean. Your mind is prepared. Your heart is sensitive. And then you can hear what God has for you. You know, John the Baptist, he cried, get ready. Get ready because, I mean, the Lord's coming, right? That was his message. Get ready. The Lord is coming. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to get ready because Sunday's coming. Sunday is always coming. And if we're not ready, we can't blame God for not growing. We can't blame God for not getting closer to him. Now, this message is going to divide into, into two parts. This week, it is how to prepare yourself. Next week, how to prepare your family. Because you can't take your family where you haven't gone yourself. You can't get them ready if you haven't learned to get ready. You can't take them where you haven't been. So let's start with just just you and me. How do you get ready for church? How do you prepare yourself? Well, number one, your heart has to be prepared. It's Psalm 119, verse 34 and 35. It says, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 35 says, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. We must come to church prepared to have heaven open to us and our heart open to heaven. In, in our passage in, in Ezra 7, uh, verse 10, Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. It's not going to happen by accident. Church primarily, okay, not, not completely, primarily is a prepared place for a prepared people. If you come unprepared, it's no wonder that you don't get anything out of it. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. You know, you are unprepared, right? If you don't come to church ready to hear from God, you are unprepared. It is unwise to uh, come to do business with God and not be ready to do business with God. We can and we should come to church realizing that we have come to drink from the well that shall never run dry. If you can go away from church dry, well, I mean, it, it, it could be the preaching. I'll, I'll, 
I'll admit that, yeah, it, it could be. But not always. It might be the music, but not always. It could be the fellowship, but not always. It could be and most likely is that you or I have come bodily, but our mind and our heart is really someplace else. We need to learn how to reprogram our hearts and minds before coming to church. We need to mentally and spiritually get ready for church before we get here. It must move from, from something we have to do to something we get to do. Something we have to participate in to something we get to enjoy. But that happens when your heart is prepared to hear something from God. So the first thing to do to get ready for church is to make sure that your heart and mind are prepared. And that's really what the next two weeks are going to be about. Number two, I encourage you to review last week's message. I mean, you can even listen to it online if you want to. It's on our website. On, on, we've got a little podcast. And I don't know if anybody even listens to those or not. But they're normally put on by, uh, you know, Monday mid-morning or so, if I remember right. And... Um, Isaiah chapter 28, verses 10 and verse 13 says this. It says, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Verse 13, but the word of the Lord was unto them, uh, was, was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. This is how we learn. If Sunday morning is all you get, if you sit and listen and you leave and forget, it's no wonder that your spiritual growth is going to be stunted. You need to take notes on the message. You need to check out what I'm saying to make sure that I'm actually saying what the Word of God says. You need to take notes, review the notes through the week. I mean, most of my sermons are, you know, they are outlined with numbers most of the time, and I try to tell you what those are so you can write them down. So take notes, rewrite the notes, look up the references, ask questions through the week on something you don't understand. If there's something you don't think I got right, ask me about it, okay? That's your responsibility. Your spiritual growth is paramount. So you've got to feed yourself. You have to eat. See, shepherds lead flocks to pasture, but they can't make them eat, and they can't eat for them. It's your responsibility to eat. You must eat. The most common complaint in churches from disgruntled members is that they're not getting fed, right? In churches that preach the word of God, it shows that person's lack of understanding. You, you feed babies, right? You have to feed babies. Everybody else feeds themselves. Our youngest granddaughter, Elowen, and you're going to learn how cool grandkids are, buddy. I'll tell you. You're, you're not going to be laughing at me anymore when, when you get that, right? She's learning to feed herself. I mean, yeah, it's a big mess, and most of it ends up on her face or the floor. But even babies only feed, only, only get fed for so long before they start feeding themselves. I mean, you, you eat more than once a week. You know I do. Right? You have to. You have to. 
review the notes, meditate on the message. Meditate on everything in the Word of God. Study it, review it, feed on it. If you can't handle hearing me but once a week, find a good, solid Bible preacher on the radio or, or, or find his podcast or, or, or read a book, something that is good and biblical and solid that will also supplement your diet, but you've got to do it. Number three is pray for your pastor. Your pastor, his wife, needs you to pray for them. In Hebrews 13, verses 17 and 18, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable. Look what it says. It's unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Now, now, I want you to consider the gravity of those verses. You are individually responsible to God for you. I am responsible for you as you are involved in this ministry. I am to watch for your souls. Nobody else is going to give an account to this ministry while we're here. I mean, it's not Keith. It's not Mike. It's not the teachers. On the day of accounting for this ministry, it's going to be me before God, just, just us two. All right? That is a frightening responsibility. We need you to pray for us. You'd better pray for me and my wife. We are targets of the world. We're targets of spiritual attacks. Your prayers are the front-line defense for the Carter family. And while the world and our own flesh, and yes, the devil attacks us too, we have found through the years most of the attacks come from inside the church, not from outside. Paul knew that the prayers of the saints for his ministry were important. Four times Paul specifically asked the brethren to pray for him. Now, I'm not a Paul by any stretch of the imagination, but if he needed and wanted the prayers of God's people, then Becky and I absolutely need your prayers. I need them. My bride needs them. You need to pray for us. That is your responsibility. Now, what do you pray for? How do you pray? Well, let me give you some ideas. I'm glad you asked. You pray for stewardship, for time and energies. You, you pray for us to stay spiritually clean, for, for us to, 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 to stay close as a family. You pray for, for guidance for Sunday messages. You pray for mental discipline. You pray for discernment for us. You pray for our marriage. You pray for your own heart and mind to be open to whatever God has to say to you. You pray for a submitted will to God. You pray for understanding of the word of God. You pray that God will make you more like Jesus for coming to church on, on Sunday morning. 
when you come to church after praying for something, you'll be looking forward to coming, and it'll be a help to you when you see God answer your prayer. Number four, how do you get ready for church? You come desiring to grow. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14, it says this. It says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I want to expand on a thought from the book of Hebrews about spending, and, and I need you to listen close, and I need you to understand what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. But much of the theme of the book of Hebrews deals with spending too much time around the cross of Christ. The writer of Hebrews has just talked about Jesus' earthly ministry. He's about to start talking about Jesus' heavenly ministry now. Some pretty complicated stuff. He is not sure that they are ready to hear what he has to say. He's not sure they're going to understand it. They, they, they haven't moved on. They haven't grown. See, if it's, if it's just, if it's just cross, 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 and nothing more, then we're not getting it all. There is so much more to Jesus than just the cross. Jesus is not still on the cross. He's moved on to another aspect of his ministry. And we must move on. Ships don't accomplish their purposes when they stay in safe harbors. Soldiers don't stay in boot camp. Football teams do more than just practice, practice, practice. We can't stay at the cross. I mean, visit it, yes, Remember it, oh, absolutely. Thank God for it, oh, how can we not? But stay around it all the time, no. We have to move on, we have to grow. The cross must not become for us some sentimental retreat for us to escape the real work of living out our Christianity. We, we have to grow. And to be ready for Sunday, you have to come with a desire to grow in Christ. And number five, how do you get ready for church? Well, you clean yourself up. Right? Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We must be clean and ready to meet with God. Old saying, it's a cliche, but you know it works. This book, the Bible, will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And what we're talking about here is old-fashioned memorizing the Word of God. That's it. Yeah, it's hard, but you got to do it. It says, well, I can't. 
memorize the Bible. I seem to have this mental block. But yet, if someone were to ask you about an area of your life that you are intently interested in, you could barf up all kinds of stuff that you've memorized. Why? Well, because you're interested in it. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's reloading stats or politics or some TV show, sports figures, computer games. If, 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 if that's your interest, then those things are easy for you to memorize. But why not the word of God? It's because you don't see it as important enough. You don't have an interest in it. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick, that means alive, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now, that doesn't mean separate soul from spirit. It means fillet the soul and fillet the spirit. The word of God lays us open like a salmon on a cleaning table. Everything is exposed to us through the word of God. And it says, and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you don't know what your motives are, the word of God will tell you. It is that powerful, quick, powerful, sharp. It divides. It divides joints. It divides marrow. It tells you what you are thinking. It tells you what your motives are, and God's word will tell you everything you want to know about you and a lot of the stuff you don't want to know about you. To be ready, you must be clean. To be clean, the word of God must be in you. Remember the Gatorade commercials where uh, the sweat of the athletes was the color of the Gatorade that they would drink? You guys remember that, right? And their little tagline was, is it in you? You know how you can uh, walk down the grocery store aisle and uh, somebody walk by, you can tell if they've been drinking? because it just comes out their pores. When you're so full of the word of God that it comes out your pores, then you'll be on the way. Then you will have hidden God's word in your heart so that you might not sin against him. What is on the inside always comes out. So what is in you? Is it? Is the word of God in you? You've got to hide it in your heart and then you let it out and then you're on the way to being ready for Sunday morning. Now let me uh, see if we can wrap this up. What do you do? What do you do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday? to get ready for Sunday. First of all is you ask God to prepare your heart. Secondly, you review the notes that you've taken. Thirdly, you pray for your pastor, your church, your family, uh, your own will to be pliable in God's hands. You pray for obedience from you and from all of us. Number four is you desire to grow, to do more, to be more, to get more, to give more. Status quo becomes unacceptable. Number five, you hide God's word in your heart so that you are clean when you come to stand before God. And then you ask yourself three questions after each Sunday message. Three questions. Ask yourself. First of all, is there a command here that I need to obey? Is there a command that I need to obey? Secondly, is there a sin here that I must repent, uh, confess, and forsake? 
Is there a sin in my life that I've got to deal with, that I've got to, to confess before God, repent, change my mind about, and then leave behind? Thirdly, is there some new direction that I must take in my life? Is there some new level of obedience, some new uh, direction that God wants me to walk with him in? And these, these are just the bare minimum. These are the bare bones of getting yourself ready, of, of, of getting your own heart ready to meet with God. Then we can come to church ready for whatever God might have for us. So how do you get ready for church? How do you get ready for church? Stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we want to thank you again for the encouragement from your word. We thank you, Father, for Ezra's testimony that he prepared himself um, even before he approached your word. And Father, I pray that your spirit would convict us where we have failed you of the sin in our life of not being ready, of, of approaching worship, of you too lax, too flippantly. Father, I pray that you convict us of the sin of having our priorities wrong. Father, you know our frame, we are but dust. But if we know Jesus as Savior, Lord, then we've got the indwelling Holy Spirit. We've got God himself, Father, We've got God, the Holy Spirit, empowering us to obey, empowering us to change and line up with your word. So, Father, whatever it is that needs to be done in each of us, I pray that thy will be done. Lord, you know each heart, you know every mind, every thought, you know every motive, so, Father, where they don't line up with you, I pray that you would change them. That we can remember before whom we stand. Thank you, Father, for the grace, for the mercy that you show us. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you that you love us, but you love us too much to leave us where we are. Thank you that you're always working to get us closer and closer to Christ. So please, Father, accomplish that will in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead?